Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. This is an RNZ podcast. Dip into a flotation pod for 60 undisturbed minutes. Float away in zero gravity and warmth, cocooned, untouchable. You can dream, relax, recover and think in complete silence. But can flotation therapy really free me from the tyrannies of daily life and give me the complete relaxation I so desperately crave? Well, I'm going to try and find out. Hi, I'm Carol Hirschfeld. Now, I love the idea of work-life balance, but to be frank, I am way off the pace. I'm always looking for those life hacks, and if I hear something is good for me, I am buying, often without really looking into it. That's where this podcast, Healthy or Hoax, comes in. I've been really looking forward to dipping into this week's topic, flotation pods. This is a sensory deprivation tank. It blocks out all the external distractions that bombard our souls. Can you pee in it? I'll take two hours. Me too. You're about to take a journey into the mind. You may see and experience things that are strange and frightening. But remember, they can't physically harm you, though they may destroy you mentally. Oh, my. Ah, this is kind of relaxing, but it's so hard to turn off my brain. I have to stop thinking. Hey. Oh, it's a ball of yarn. That's funny. I feel like batting it around. Wow, I have a ball. Oh my gosh, I've entered the body of our cat. Wow, my mind just created that out of nothing. And if it's good enough for Homer, it's got to be worth trying. Developed by an unconventional American doctor back in the 50s, floating pods have had a recent surge in popularity in the Western world. Here in New Zealand, there are float tank centres now popping up everywhere, from Whangarei to Dunedin. Their originator, Dr John Lilly, first called them isolation tanks. He was somewhat unusual, believing dolphins and humans could speak to each other. And he also had some other pretty polarising beliefs about aliens. This interview we found on YouTube shows how he saw things a bit differently from the average punter. There's an Iranian psychiatrist and an American psychiatrist that put 100 patients in a mental hospital in Iran through what they feared most, on ketamine. And they all left the hospital. Now, I tried the same thing later after I read read that. That evening, I took 150 milligrams of ketamine. Yep, you heard that right. John Lilly decided to take a big dose of ketamine to see how it might further unlock his subconsciousness. Pretty experimental, eh? Pretty nuts. But putting that controversy aside, Lilly believed that sensory deprivation and physical isolation of floating tanks would allow people to disconnect from the outside world. And those arguments make sense today as more and more of us seek different ways to deal with stress. 
Now let me make sure you're absolutely clear what floating pods are. They're enclosed bathtubs essentially with about 30 centimetres of water and a whole lot of Epsom salts to create buoyancy. It takes a while for the muscles and brain to relax. Don't become frustrated, your mind will calm and you will eventually drift off. The sudden absence of stimulation to the brain during the float session triggers a spontaneous chain reaction throughout the body to remove stress and leave you feeling wonderful. Your body then starts to create its own stimulation, allowing you to reach a creative state of mind, the theta brain state. In that promotional video for Auckland-based centre float culture, the promise is you'll leave feeling a profound sense of calm which will last for days. Owner Anton Kuznetsov says his first float blew his mind and he was hooked straight away, so much so he started his own floating business. Three years later, business is booming and Anton and his partner are looking to expand to other locations. It's not a cheap project. Um, each tank um, that we have, which are upmarket kind of tanks, so if you compare it to cars, those are the Rolls Royces of flotation tanks. Um, they come to about 40,000 um, New Zealand dollars. We exported them from overseas. And what kind of feedback have you had from your clientele over uh, your business since, since it's been running? Several of our clients actually, after the first float, signed up for a membership and stayed on it for um, two years. Um, so we still have them as members. They, um, we had a client that had a sort of an autobody experience in the first float and it's like, sign me in, uh, I'm completely sold, it's amazing. Um, others just say that it's the weight of the whole world fell off their shoulders. They felt great for um, days after the float and um, it's just changed their life. I know people got off their um, anti-depression meds um, as a result of regular floating and pick up new hobbies, um, turn their life around, um, bought new houses and uh, just got back on track with their lives. I was intrigued and dying to give floating a go for myself. So here I am in the ocean room at Float Culture, the centre where I'm taking my float. There's all kinds of different rooms here at the centre. For example, there's a forest room, or there's a cosmic room, and there's the lake room. I'm pretty sure though, theme aside, that they're much of a muchness. There is a well-appointed bathroom with a rather large mural. I'm staring at a sea turtle looking weightless and calm in a deep blue ocean. And then off to the side of the bathroom is the flotation tank itself. Now I had thought I would be getting into a pod-like tank, but I'm actually going to be floating in what looks like a little room with a pool in it, blue lit at the moment. It does look really inviting and maybe it's going to send me to a place of relaxation and mindfulness, the like I've never known, but I am starting to regret the two cups of coffee I had before I got here, I've got to say. Next, it was lights out and I was alone with my thoughts for the next 60 minutes. So I have just finished my flotation and I managed to sit up and remember where I was and hit the lights. Um, the sound that you can hear is the tank itself emptying at the moment. Unfortunately, when I sat up, all the 
it is truly restful. Managed to be wiped away in a moment because a trickle of the salt got into my eyes and now I'm having a profoundly sore eye experience. But apart from that, what I can think about was how quickly the time went. It was surprising how extraordinary it was to lie there in the darkness and with my eyes open still feel like there was nothing but complete blackness. I did get into this stage where I felt I was semi-asleep, but as soon as I did come around, hear the music again, hear the, the flotation tank emptying, um, I was sadly jolted into the real world, picked up my phone and realised that both my children had rang me and I'd missed their phone calls. So whatever space I had feeling that profound relaxation, it was fairly quickly curtailed. So that was my first float. As I said, salt in the eye wasn't ideal, and there was quite a bit of faffing to go through before getting into the water. A shower, putting Vaseline on any cuts, taking off jewellery. But once settled, did I transport to another place? Well, no, not exactly. I started making a grocery list, thinking about the weekend and worrying about whether North Korea was going to blow the world to bits. I did, though, eventually fall into a state somewhere close to sleep. Now, if you've listened to any of Healthy or Hoax's earlier episodes, and I sure hope you have, you'll know this is about the time when I call in an expert to break down the scientific evidence or lack of for the issue of the week. Unfortunately, with floating tanks, that was easier said than done. There's a bit of research done on them, mainly out of the US, but the academics there didn't return our calls. The neurophysiologists we tried here in New Zealand weren't keen to talk either. So we thought we'd start by getting an expert opinion on one of the main factors driving people to float, which is stress. Clinical psychologist Gaynor Parkins says it's not always a bad thing. It kind of depends what you mean by stress. Some people immediately will say, well, stress is a good thing because... I like being under pressure, I like my job, um, I like it when I've got a lot to do, I feel energised, I like the buzz. So some people will frame it as a positive experience and something that's motivating for them. Um, but then I guess as you're referring to, some people will say, actually, I think of stress as when I'm feeling overwhelmed, when there's too much going on, uh, when I don't feel I can meet the demands of my job, life, whatever my responsibilities are. Gaynor says there are all sorts of symptoms to alert people when they've tipped over into an unhealthy level of stress, but people either don't notice the signs or they ignore them. Some of the common physical ones might be uh, someone having trouble sleeping, for example. Some of the other physical things we might notice might be a bit of anxiety, so people noticing their hearts racing or feeling a bit sweaty. Uh, losing appetite or overeating, sometimes physical sort of aches and pains or getting sick more often. In terms of the emotion signs, usually, as I said, quite often people will describe that feeling overwhelmed or feeling really anxious, um, feeling a bit jittery or on edge. And then the cognitive ones, those are, those are really interesting. So often people will report noticing that they're finding it hard to focus, um, memory, finding that 
people will say they're finding it difficult to remember things. So if we've pulled our heads out of the sand and realised it's a problem, what next? There are many strategies for dealing with stress. Do some exercise, do something physically active. Was when we're physically active, that helps to reduce our levels of adrenaline, which is one of our stress hormones. So exercise is like a clever way of saying to our body, it's okay, you don't need to be in this high level of alert at the moment, let's bring it down. It could be doing something that's cognitively more taxing, so maybe doing a Sudoku or a crossword or practising a foreign language, anything that requires our brain to focus. As if we're focusing on something, we can't be thinking about the things that we're stressed about. Remember, Gaynor isn't an expert in floating, but what does she make of them? They're designed to help people, I think, physically and mentally relax. And I think with floating pods or any sort of potentially innovative uh, methods of de-stressing, what we would usually say is, is experiment and try it out. So if you go and immerse yourself in a floating pod and you find that that helps you switch your brain off and physically relax and you feel like you've recharged your batteries, then that's great. So you might want to keep doing that as a strategy. If you go along and find it's not terribly helpful, then that's okay. You just need to try something else. There is some research to show that being in nature is calming. There's also some research to show that being in water, some people find very calming. So like going for a swim or lying in the bath, perhaps being in a floating pod um, helps people to get into that sort of soothed, calm state. Research out of Sweden found floating twice a week for seven weeks helped reduce participants' stress, depression, anxiety and severe pain. An earlier Dutch review of floating studies found it could be a useful stress management tool. Though the authors noted much of the research had limitations, floating studies tend not to have many participants. Back here in Auckland, my fellow float enthusiast, Cole, has done this more than 30 times and told me it took a while for him to get over his initial anxiety and actually relax. Um, this has been my first one for about six months, which is now I've done it. I'm like, that was a stupidly long amount of time to leave it. Um, but for a while I was doing it very regularly, like often once a week and um, at maximum kind of once a month. And it, yeah, it had a huge effect on, on my pain levels um, and just my kind of openness to life, I guess. It's sort of like a hard reset in the brain for all those kind of things and... Yeah, it took me a long time. It took me quite a few floats, actually, to kind of start to get past that baseline anxiety. I'm going to actually relax. Um, but even then, I feel like it's kind of like meditation in that way, that even if you have a kind of, like, bad float, and I mean that <laughs> not really bad, but, um, you know, if you still feel like, oh, I'm anxious in here, when you come out, it still has a big effect. So, Cole, tell me what is different about float therapy compared to other kinds of um, styles of therapy that you've tried? Um, I guess that you do it on your own, <laughs> which is quite nice. Um, I've sort of struggled in the past to find counsellors or psychologists or psychiatrists that um, I connected with or I felt open enough with and safe enough with to um, disclose things. And I also, I've always been very much like, I'd rather do it on my, on my own, I'd rather teach myself, I'd rather learn, I'd rather work through it on my own. Um, 
and yeah, so it is. It's a really good space to get in there and start to get that kind of wider mind or, you know, observant mind to start to see, you know, from a little bit of distance what patterns are going on in your mind and what it is that you're anxious about and to kind of be really honest with yourself in that sense. Interesting view. Anton, the owner of Float Culture, agrees and says you need to approach a float session with a completely open mind. Try not to create too much expectation um, because expectation is a big buzzkill for floating because you create all these imaginary um, experiences that might not happen in your last float. It's all about being in the moment and breathing and being yourself in the tank. Based on Anton's recommendation, I went for three floats in total. It did get better each time, but the effects were often washed away as soon as I'd turned my phone back on. I went into this episode wondering if floating pods were any better than just taking a bath at home. The answer is definitively yes, because you're completely closed off from the outside world, which forces a level of relaxation. And I did genuinely feel floating could allow you to experience an opening of your mind, in a very calm way, to thoughts that may normally be quite difficult. But floating is also quite expensive, about $100 for a casual float, and there are plenty of other ways to de-stress. Three stars for float tanks. Well, we've been talking a lot in this episode about stress. Now, there is a fine line between feeling overstressed and mental health issues. If you're concerned that you or someone in your life may have depression, there's plenty of help available. A good place to start is depression.org.nz. Stay healthy. Healthy or Hoax is presented by Carol Hirschfeld and produced by Kate Pereira-Garcia. You can subscribe to it or a range of other RNZ podcasts on iTunes, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Please rate and review us when you're there. It really helps. And if you enjoyed this show, perhaps you'd like to try RNZ's weekly science podcast, Our Changing World. Check it out. But for now, thanks for listening. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.